0: Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, Answers for Healing and Infinite Love, which share stories of spiritual awakening, spiritual communication, healing energies, miracles, and ways to discover and utilize your intuition for improving the quality of life. And today I am delighted to welcome Eric Erk author of the promise of wholeness who is trained in western and eastern applied philosophy and integrative healing offering strategies that may lead to lasting peace and wholeness hello eric and thank you for joining us on healing from within today
1: thank you very, very much and i appreciate you for uh, having me on your show
0: Eric, as listeners of Healing from Within have come to expect over the years, my guests and I share intimate insights into the metaphysical, spiritual, and physical aspects of our human and also our energetic qualities so we may begin to know who we are and how a physical life serves us to gather experiences and new perceptions so we may create and manifest the best versions of ourselves so we can improve relationships and our world community we are indeed as your book shows very complicated beings in today's episode of healing from within we will discuss a new foundation for profound living Based on classical teachings and enriched by modern, scientific, psychological breakthroughs, we will discover the principles and values it takes to be happy and whole and find critical exercises for certain behaviors and stresses in our life as we move towards lasting peace and well-being. Eric, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, a place, an event, a value that may have shown them or others the adult they would become and perhaps the work and interests they would embrace as an adult. So think back for a minute.
1: Hmm. You know, um, I I was raised in a Catholic uh, um, family, went to parochial schools, and uh, I wanted to be a priest, actually. Um, I, I absolutely embraced every aspect of it, and um, you know, pro- pro- probably you know, one thing that really struck me was on uh, two different occasions there were missionaries that had been other parts of the world that gave talks, and there was something profound. And I had no words for it, you know, as a young person, um, what they had, but I knew that I wanted whatever they had. Uh, there was a peace about them. There was a a surety that there was um, a way to look at the world and I could actually just feel the peace kind of from them. Um, As a kid growing up, um, I stuttered really badly. So from my point of view, um, uh, I was always trying to find out like, why do people act the way they did? So I think one of the ways that I discovered who I would become Was what when I tried all the different advices that people gave me to stop uh, stuttering, they didn't work. And uh, after a really devastating attack from a kid, um, I discovered that that other people that were bullies were like vampires, and they were kind of would feed up my feelings like uh, Mm. a vampire feed up their blood. And I discovered that if I could be calm while they were doing whatever they were doing, that they would lose interest in me and move on to other all other people. And um because whenever I got mad or got into a fist fight or do all the other things that people said I should do, it didn't really work. And so I I discovered like a secret and then I wanted to learn more and more of them so that I could pass it on to other people and that's what I've done my whole life.
0: Yeah, well I'm an intuitive healer and uh, an empath, and from hearing your story, it sounds like you were a very sensitive, gifted young person, as I was, and you loved God and spirit and the universe and nature and and all of it. You couldn't understand why people were not acting in the right way, because you had a sense of what was right within your heart. And certain older souls or more evolved souls, perhaps, are born with that sense, and it's hard for them as children. So I get that sense about you. And it's funny, when I was a kid and acted the way that you acted, my mother said to me, well, maybe one day you'll be a Rebbitzin." I didn't even know what it was. (laughs) (laughs) It's the wife of a rabbi, so like you... (laughs) Like you wanting to be closer to spirit and universal truth and the love of life, we were the same that way. Yeah. So what prompted you to to write this particular book, The Promise of Wholeness?
1: Well, I've been a psychotherapist my whole career. Um, I discovered the meditation. I went to an energy school, became a faculty member, and I was always blending um what I learned, you know, from my spiritual training, my energetic training, and then I got involved in philosophy, and I started reading and understanding that, and then it started saying, like, universal truth. So, to me, what I learned, what philosophers do, is they look for a universal truth that's, like, true in every situation for all of time. Right. <laughs> and. And and so you know the 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 authors that I read from five thousand years ago, Plato and and Plato and Plotinus, who I kind of reference in the book, um, I started I just would just be amazed that these people could you know have these insights throughout time. And and then as a psychotherapist, you know I was trained you know in all the current thinking now. And then um, I've been private practice. I worked in residential treatment centers, psychiatric hospitals. I was always immediately having to apply whatever I've learned with actual people and really difficult situations. And what I found that worked, you know, I would typically, you know, try to recall that and then use it with other people. And so the book is a combination of, like, everything I've learned combining with some of these Eastern and Western uh, truisms that have been around for thousands of years. And I started seeing that some of the Western Philosophers were actually moving in the same direction that the Eastern guys were. But, uh, you know, and I, I speak about it in the book, and I won't get into it in length, but but due, due, due to politics and this and that, they, they shut down some of the um, Greek philosophers and their spiritual uh, plan. And uh, right now, we in the West are learn, 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 learning those concepts from the East. And, you know, I thought it would be really cool to, you know, we remind everyone that we were actually all going in a similar direction. There's different ways to say different things or look at things, and yet we're all the same people doing the same thing trying to become happy and
0: whole and yeah uh... you know i was very sad about reading that in your book that some of the spiritual leaders or religions were shutting down some of the philosophers uh, and spiritualists who have the same thoughts just a little different way you cannot have the truth without combining spiritualism, religion, and science, because it is all looking for the same answer. Who are we? Where do we come from? What is life all about? So, yeah, I felt a little sad when you said that in the book they had been disputed and and denigrated, and uh, and they were great thinkers. So tell us something about Plotinus. He, he's a very interesting man. Uh, from two millennia ago. Yeah, um,
1: when I uh, discovered him, you know, I, I realized that everything I learned from all of my metaphysical training, this guy was talking about it eighteen hundred years ago, and okay. and he was a Western guy, and uh, so for me, uh, having gone through a bunch of different trainings, when he would, when I would hear translations of when he was having you know, what I would call a soul merge. I mean, it, it was like, oh my God, you know, here I'm seeing, you know, language from 1800 years ago, the exact same thing. And oh. I think that every spiritual master that has ever walked this earth, no matter what tradition they come from, um, has experienced these, these, these things. And that my belief is is that we are all divine beings trying to remember who we are. And so whatever method that we use, we're trying to remember this core essence of who we are and uh, whatever method that works you know that that's the one that we want to try
0: absolutely you know when I was learning uh, when I was interested in psychic development and uh, becoming a medium uh, a rabbi said to me you should be in the temple studying Torah and I said to him way anyway you find the truth and your way to God is the right way and for me this is the way and uh, you're just saying the same thing and there have been many paths but the truth is uh, the absolute has its center everywhere but its circumference nowhere so it's eternal and goes on and on and we're all connected by this oneness now you also discuss henosis and this is an important concept so tell us something about that
1: well, Hinosis uh, is a Greek word that means oneness and you, uh, you, 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 unity. And basically, every single um, master has been speaking about that. You know, again, the same thing as you just said. There's one divine essence or source, whatever you want to call it, the Tao teaching. You know, they, 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 they speak about the, the way and, mm. you know, they, they're, they're all saying, yeah, that, that, that there is a... Flow and and in its essence, it's love. is is It's when we can hold the vibration of pure love and whatever form that we can do it. And there's a lot of illusions out there, and there's a lot of you know advertisement what love really is and what it's not. And then our challenge is is to find out whether or not you know we can do it every day. Can we find it with a lover? Can we find love within ourselves? Can we recognize that every emotion that we have, even the ones we don't like. We need to bring love to that part to go understand it because it's all just information and that when right. we bring hold it with uh, unconditional love, then it'll just open up like a flower, whatever it is. Uh, it's hard to do, you know, because there's so many trainings and unconscious material that we have and that's our challenge to learn all
0: those things. Yeah, we've learned, uh, we've been trained by societal uh mores and parents and teachers and been given uh, lots of rules but the truth is we just flow from one emotion to another everyone who has a fearful or negative emotion wants to leave that and flow towards love and feeling happy healthy and positive so our state is naturally peace and harmony and balance and love but the world, right. the physical world distracts us at times and we lose sight of that. And as we become more aware of what you're, you and I are talking about here, the unity, the oneness, the connection to universal energy or source or God, uh, it's within us and around us. And ultimately we came from it and we return to it. Once we get to really know that we can observe every interaction. And then we can be free of judgment, blame and anger. And that's, that's the way or the path forward for all of us. And it's just a matter of when we discover it. And ultimately everyone, whether here in this life or beyond this life, will discover it. Now you go on to, um, telling us that you wondered why people were cruel and you had some experiences with uh, bullying and how did you find your way out of that because it's a big problem right now
1: yes um I, I as I mentioned before you know uh, I, I had a lot of you know advice that didn't work you know you know most young men are taught my dad taught me to punch him out and um, other people, you know, taught me from my, uh, religious upbringing, you know, to turn the other cheek. And I tried all those for a couple of years and it didn't work. And, and, and what, what, what it was, cause, you know, I actually would do it and I would pray for them and, you know, the way right. I was taught. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, meanwhile, I'm bubbling inside with rage and anger and I'm mad at myself and I'm judging them. And, 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 and part, part of what I've learned is, is that people that have, I, I worked in residential treatment centers for really uh, violent young men. And, you know, I watched when I worked with them that underneath all, all that anger is um, a really scared little kid, basically. And, mm-hmm. and all abuse at its core is that I have pain in the inside of me. And if I hurt you or witness somebody else being in pain, then they get relief, actually. That, that's why all abuse occurs. And, 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 and so then when, when I would, you know, actually therapeutically heal them, help them heal their issue... Um, then they didn't need to do those things. And so when I was a little kid, what I just stumbled on is that um, I didn't have all the fancy lingo because I was only like seven or eight years old when I learned to stop doing, you know, stop stop them from doing it. Is is I thought of them as vampires and they were feeding off my emotions and there was blood to them. And if I could stay calm, mm. that they that 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 they actually wouldn't be getting an enjoyment about attacking me because e- even if I was private inside me that actually was food for them and and i've given this advice to at least a hundred people you know kids with acne or or hair lips or different things and i can't tell, tell you, everyone who can pull it off says it works every single time um and and, and so there's a, a number of things that i have in the book about different things about anger um how to handle um uh you know med- meditation, how mindfulness works, uh, how grace works, and things that I've learned that I've been able to pass on with my clients and other people, and that that I found effective. And that you know, if you can pull pull them off, then it tends to work.
0: You know, recently uh, I have a granddaughter who was being bullied, and I told her that the child who was doing this had a lot of pain and was very unhappy. And when she started with her, she should just look at her in the eye, be very calm, and say to her, Can I help you? How can I help you? And she might disarm her, and she might turn her into an ally or a friend.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, the the child moved away. But I still say that's sort of what you were doing in a way. You weren't being engaged. You weren't buying into their their pain or their anger or letting them pull you in. You stood your ground and you tried to see them as a troubled person uh, and that they would do this with someone else, not only you, because right. they were suffering so much. So I, I, I she's doing better now. <laughs> so. I well,
1: good good I, I think small kids can't do do those advanced things that you say, of course you 're accurate about that i, I, I the, the, the beginning stage is just being able to stay calm and pulling that off. Uh, being able to do those next steps are more advanced. I think people can pull it off but i I've seen kids that, that, that I work with that if they could just stay calm. It works just by by itself, and then if they can do those next things, you know that that's really gravy. If they can, you know, pull pull that off. Yes, um, not easy. I, I, I've worked i worked with clients who have reported that they were bull bullies. You know, they they actually see me in therapy, and they said I was one of those kids. And then when, when we explore what his life was like. You know, he had all this dysfunction, all this unresolved issues and never got dealt, dealt with. And if you divide the world in two, half the people, when they are when they have pain, they, they lash out and they look for someone else to unload it on. And the other half of the world basically kind of keep it inside and um, yeah. process it themselves. And so I, I know there's a large number of people that their core pattern that they've learned or the modeling or just just how it works you know some people kind of pass it on and and so you know the the enlightened ones recognize that they've done that and they need to stop doing that
0: Mm. yes let's go on to you talk about the somatic empathy theory right tell tell us about that
1: well you know you you kind of opened the door as you began to uh start this uh section about being empathic and and so uh it's a phrase that that that, that 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 I came up with to talk about um, what, what ends up happening is we, we all have this intuitive part. Some of us actually are more intuitive than others, and I think about one out of five people are extremely intuitive. And as they sense other people around them, sense their environment, whether or not it's safe or it's okay or just to see what's going on, that it's, they, that they're scanned, they actually pick up ambient emotions that, that, that actually go into your field and you can get really accurate information, but it actually goes into your physical being. And so that's where those somatic part. So you have empathy in that you're tracking this emotion, but it goes into your physical being. And so what, what I saw with a number of my clients, and I was one of these people too, where if you're doing that every single day, and or you're around a toxic relationships, or you come from a family where there's a lot of unresolved issues, and I, I, I bring that, for example, I worked as a family therapist at a psychiatric hospital for for uh, with teens. And, you know, what what happens is when the parents were out of control with their own emotions, you know, the kids would oftentimes be the one carrying them, Mm. and they'll, they'll be the identified patient, and when I could get the parents to work through their issue, the kids always improved, and so... what ends up happening with my sepanic empathy theory is, and there's a lot of other books about this. This is actually a very common theme that's getting out there now, that as you scan other people, you'll pick up ambient emotions around you and it'll go into your field. It will be processed as if by your brain, as if it's your own. And so you'll you'll pick up that maybe unresolved anger, unresolved depression, and then you'll be processed in you and you'll, you'll accurately pick up with the other people, but then you'll potentially start to track and experience those same emotions, and then your brain will mistakenly interpret it as if it's your own. And, and, and then if you do that in a chronic way, what I saw, some people go, you know, have full fledged depressions. I've worked with clients with fibromyalgia and other immune d- d- disorders, yeah. and I've actually seen them heal them because they actually were doing it so frequently that they would just burn, burn, would burn out their system from all these emotions that are they're tracking in from other people and they have to learn boundaries.
0: Yes. Well, I'm an empath, so everything you just said is so. And as a child, I was always sick because I was picking up other people's emotions. And uh, you're, as I learned boundaries and how to use it, it's a great gift, actually, to be able to... Uh, into it and know other people's issues and to help them with it but not to absorb it yourself so uh are you an empath also
1: yeah yes and and a lot of what what i i learned is even when i was in in the energy school it was happening to a bunch of us you know a few of our students and i was one of them we was always trying to brainstorm about what was going on so in my book i write down techniques about how to create boundaries, energetic mm-hmm. boundaries. How how to you know like from Ghostbusters if you get slimed, how do you you know clear 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 your field? It's all done with intent in, tension. You can basically move the energy that way. But if you aren't doing that, um, it can accumulate, as we said before, and it can move into actually not only depression but actually physical disease.
0: Yes. Actually, yes. And uh, that's why they say every healer has to protect themselves. They have to find ways to protect themselves so they don't absorb it. It's like I, I had a client who was a podiatrist, and I told her that she had a lot of health issues. And I told her that when she was working on her people, that she was to turn her chair to the side and not take the full... Uh, Gut attack of the energy that was leaving them when she was working on them, which was, uh, you know, coming into her system. And uh, she did much better just by following that simple technique to, to shift her chair. And shift her energy, shift her thinking, and protect herself some, somewhat. And uh, there are many techniques, many skills. But it's a wonderful thing being an empath. It means that you're <laughs> open to the environment, and you can walk into rooms. You can know <laughs> rooms that are safe places and rooms that are, if you have control over it,
1: so right. that it's and, and not no...
0: controlling you.
1: Yeah. Right. Let, let, let me mention one, one thing that isn't spoken about a lot that I've had to address with clients is, is that sometimes, even though you know this information, you have an unconscious belief system that says, well, give me your pain, I'll make it go away. And, and so I've had clients who know this information, they still have problems, and then we have to go, go find if they have an unconscious belief system that overrides the um, information that they know.
0: Oh, so they? of course they have to work on what it is that's creating whatever health problem or right. uh, interrelationship problem. Yeah, they, they have to spot it. They have to know it, and then they have to... Let it go. Stop you right, know, tuning, right. tuning in. Like if you tune into a radio show or music that doesn't appeal to you and makes you uncomfortable, you're going to stop doing that because it's not advantageous to your well-being, right? So we have right. to see the markers, and then we have to understand where the pain or dysfunction is coming from, and then we have to learn to disengage not be part of it any longer. Yeah, that's something that's hard to do. But once you pay attention and you're observant, you can avoid many instances that would be uncomfortable for you. So, what would you like readers to take away with them after reading your book?
1: Well, I I, I go go through um, anger. Uh, I speak about illusion. I speak about love, cherish. I, I think that um, it's a handbook of consciousness about various ways to take a look at something that are really important, about the various ways that we can love, some of the pitfalls, balls, some of the solutions that, that I found that are helpful, this empathic part that we spoke about. Um, I, I, have, um, I had the experience of my kid being really empathic, and I didn't know Empathic, she, she she was, and then uh, she actually has a part in one of the t- chapters where she talks about being a kid. And so I oftentimes are, are mentioning to some of my clients that have kids that are really empathic. You know, like you know how to teach them, and you know I I find that my kids, you know, explanation. You know, she's she, she's she's an adult now, but 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 she talks what it was like to be a kid where it had she had no clue what was happening and it was during the time that I never had. So, so to me, there's many areas about life, about how to um, understand what equanimity is, mindfulness, some mm-hmm. of the mind traps that, you know, that, that I fell into because I spent a year reading about Eastern thought, and then I had some mistaken ideas what mindfulness was, and and I, I think what mindfulness is soulfulness that you actually live from your soul and I think some people get too caught up with well, I have to, you know, meditate away if I get mad really quickly because that's what mindfulness is. As soon as I have emotion that I don't like, I should meditate that away. I should always be calm. No, and you, so, like, you have to feel the emotions. You can't You kiss. have to feel. Yes. Yeah. And, and understand it's information. Right. And even though we may not like that information, love means that I need to interpret it and then process it. And then once I process it, that's when you can be calm and have equanimity. So I think about all those pitfalls about. Uh, victims and perpetrators with um, in, incorruptible means in terms of being able to have a principle so strong that no matter what anyone does that you hold on to them I think our political situation gives us that challenge every day right now. Uh,
0: yeah, but I liked what you say we're just going to interpret it as information We're not going to allow it to disrupt our peace, our calm, and our well-being. Excellently said. I would like to thank you, Eric Erk, author of The Promise of Wholeness, for a comprehensive, integrative look at mind-body-spirit healing and awareness of how to reach higher states of higher consciousness for acceptance and ultimately mindfulness, inner peace, and love to thrive individually and hopefully in time collectively. To learn more about the history, philosophy, and movement towards inner wisdom and to purchase this book, go to ericirk.com or amazon.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have tried to bridge the gap between the falseness of ego based realities societal misconceptions ancient ways of perceiving life so we may move into an inner based self-healing awareness of energy and how it affects our health prosperity and our state of happiness for in knowing about our dual nature as spiritual beings having a physical life we are able to transcend fear and false beliefs to find the absolute truth of our eternal nature and life-sustaining practices. As Eric wrote, love is fundamental to our explorations and to how humans become whole and eventually incorruptible. Love is like water because it is forceful beyond measure, and yet its basic nature is to yield and seek the low places. Its fluid nature melts into other structures and gives life to everything it touches. Whatever happens is perfect when we love because, like water, love never loses its constitutional integrity and will continue to exist in its next location. People die without water and our heart and soul would suffer from a dearth of spirit without love. Eric and I would have you begin to observe the many miracles happening in your own life and around you, even though at times we face challenges that seem insurmountable. It is in the hope and faith that we are indeed part of a divine energetic force of life that we can find the peace and love that has always been within us. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing From Within, and I invite you to visit my website, filled with the information and truth of authors and seekers looking to answer age-old questions about life and death and love and forgiveness and all thoughts that challenge our human mind and soul to seek the best within ourselves. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.